Hello and welcome to Witchy Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Lauren Cholantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist. This podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way, it is actually leading your way. I am very particular about the type of CBD and hemp products that I use. There's so much hype and lack of testing and quality in the industry. So the company that I love and use is Evo Hemp. Not only do they have a beautiful product like hemp seeds, CBD oil, gummies, even hemp chocolate, protein bars, protein powder. They also support a 40-acre co-op farm in Minnesota which is farmer-owned, focusing on bringing equality and innovation back to Black, Indigenous, and other socially disadvantaged farmers. So if you are looking into trying any type of CBD or hemp products, head over to evohemp.com. The link is in the show notes. And make sure you use code WITCHY, W-I-C-T-H-Y, for 20% off of your purchase. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio. Again, I'm your host, Lauren, and this is a show you learn how your body and emotions are not in the way. They're actually leading the way. Today, we're talking with Bree Sodano all about money, mindset, and the emotions and energetics around it. I can't wait to jump into this very abundant conversation today. Thank you so much, Bree, for coming on today. I am so excited to have you on the show. Excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm thrilled. Of course, of course. There's so many things we can dive into. And I know you're kind of, you're into the woo as well, you know, the energetics and the mindset around all of this. But I also know that your background was a, was a very like traditional financial background. So I'd love to hear kind of what your own hero's journey looked like to now helping thousands of women. And I love this quote, You've helped thousands of women learn to manage their money, pay off debt, earn more, and follow their desire, which is key. Could you enlighten us on your own journey? I know it's I know it's hard to summarize, but please. No, it's fine. So um, when I finished school, I worked a decade in the nonprofits, which is like one of the places where scarcity is just kind of really running the show, where there's not exactly enough resources, there's not enough stuff, there's not enough hours in the day. And for a long time, I actually really loved what I was doing. And so I stayed there and I taught myself how to trade stock options to supplement my income. So that way I could like eat food and pay the mortgage. Um, And as time went on, I kind of outgrew it. And so one day I was whining to my mom who was like, Brian, you taught yourself how to trade stock options. Just go get your series seven and be a financial advisor. And I was like, well, mom. That sounds like a great idea. Thanks for the suggestion. And so I applied for jobs and I got a, my series seven and all my and like insurance and all my credentials to be a, like a real like financial advisor, like the kind that like, I mean, I was working in Connecticut, but like credentialed to like work on Wall Street, like that kind of thing. And uh, what I found when I started doing that work was my clients were coming to see me and they were not having problems that could be solved with better investment strategies. Like nobody was like, Brie please, I have so much extra money. Help me diversify my portfolio. I need mutual fund suggestions to meet my investment objectives. Nobody said that to me, not one time. I mean, I had to make that sentence up. And they were like, Brie, I 
my kids are about to go to college and I'm still paying on my own student loans. Or I make a couple hundred grand a year and I don't have a single dollar in savings. Or I have this credit card debt for my first marriage. Like what is wrong with me, basically? And so I started working with my clients and I would put together these elaborate, very, listen, I hope your listeners understand the joy of like a beautifully put together spreadsheet. If they don't, if that's not you, just know that there are some of us that like have like a weird turn on for a really Oh, I do too. Good color palette. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. And so I would make these fantastic budgets for my clients and then they would come back and I'd be like, tell me about what happened with your budget. And they'd be like, nothing, I didn't do it. And I was like, but you're so smart and successful and you do all the things. And they're like, yeah, I just didn't. We just didn't do it. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I realized that plans don't actually work <laughs> for the vast majority of people. And so then we started working on habits and that worked better. And then we started working on mindset with the habits and the plans and that worked really good. And then we started putting in like emotions and energetics to go with the mindset, to go with the habits, to go with the plan. And then game changer. I started my clients like, we're really just thriving, thriving, thriving financially. And so I left my book of business to my partner and I just start, I started my business. It's called Cheap to Shark. And um, and now I just, I do like money management. And the thing that, um, you know, I think makes my work kind of cool is that the all of the things that I teach around money are based in like psychology and based in energetics. And so you end up with like a plan and everything is really aligned so that, that it sticks. Because like a lot of times when it comes to money, we try to be more abundant by being more scarce. Like we try to like cut our spending back to like bologna sandwiches and ramen. And then it doesn't work because we're not actually going to stick with that for long. Um, and, and also like you can't, like you can, it's possible, but taking on poverty habits to get to wealth doesn't exactly work well. And if it does, uh, if it does, it doesn't matter because the poverty habits still never go away. So like if you constrict, you know, if you get super tight and constricty with everything, then you just live tight and constricty, Um, you know, which is cool if you're into financial bondage, but my clients generally aren't. So um, now that I said financial bondage, just a weird sentence. That's, you know, it's, it's, you made me laugh and I'm sure everybody... (laughs) listening because I understand like what that feels I understand what that feels like and I have to catch myself pretty much every day getting into my head about that stuff and feeling like oh god like this this lack coming in and it's for me it's been the one thing that I've always had to be very cognizant about because my mind likes to just it's trained to be like not enough. You need to be saving, you know, just like da, 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 da. And it just goes on this hamster wheel on repeat. Yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah. yeah. Scarcity is a uh, scarcity is tricky because some of it is a mindset mm-hmm. and some of it is an actual, just like your brain protecting you from literal death. Yeah. So like your brain sees scarcity as like the threat of starvation. Like the, when your brain com- communicates scarcity to your body, your body gets it a threat of starvation. Mm. so like it's an actual like it triggers an, a full-on fight-or-flight response so the thing about scarcity that um that I think is important for everybody to know is that it's learning to manage yourself through scarcity 
because you will not get rid of a scarcity mindset. Like you can get rid of some of it. Like if, if, if it's patterns or loops, you can clean that up for yourself. But also if you have a functioning brain, you're going to experience scarcity. So the, the thing is, is you have to learn to manage yourself through it. Which for the longest time, I was like, I'm going to get rid of the scarcity mindset. We're not doing this anymore. And like, I've done a ton of work, but still, I will still experience scarcity because, you know, your brain sees something and it sends a little chemical signal. Your body's like, now I need to go into the woods to hunt for my dinner. (laughs) And you're like, that's weird. We just, we were just considering um, like a prioritization of resources, self. There's actually food in the fridge, but your body's like, we're ready. Get the bow, get the arrow we're going and you're like we don't actually live in the there's I mean there are woods near my house self but we don't actually have bow and arrow skills not one we're probably going to bring a bag of spinach out there and just feed the deers we're probably not going to kill one so let's just work this out for ourselves before we get real weird yeah and for me speaking of nature when those feelings come up I actually love going outside because nature for me personally is a really easy way for me to feel into that abundance feeling. Mm, yeah. Because nature, I mean, whether, I mean, I just moved down to Florida so that it's warm all year, beautiful green palm trees all around me, no matter where you are in the world, being outside is an example for me of like, everything will be is provided for like nature there is no lack there's always an abundance there might be changing of seasons but there's still an abundance of nature everywhere I look and tying this abundance thing and lack and scarcity into the work that I do you know I help women overcome emotional overwhelm and anxiety and learn to actually learn to harness the power of their emotions to manifest their dreams to achieve their goals it's the same thing. Like, I'm not telling anybody, nor in myself, like, I don't feel any, any contrast or negative emotions. They're always going to be there, especially when you continue to do this work and you keep growing. And that's when these things come up because you, in a loving way, you're pushing yourself to a new level. And every new level, there's a new devil that's going to come up. And so just to reiterate that point, I don't, there's nothing wrong with the scarcity or the anxiety or whatever comes up because it's coming up to be let go of because you're going to a higher vibration and that, that belief, that's always going to be a new layer of it. It's coming up to protect you, but also to show you, you are leveling up. I know. Honestly, it's very inconvenient the way that we grow. (laughs) I think sometimes I'm like, listen, I already did this. And then you're like, oh, no, we're going to do it again. You're like, oh, it's inconvenient. Yeah. Charge is devising this plan. (laughs) But it's cool. We do the thing. So anyway, yeah. So it's really important to learn how to manage yourself through scarcity because scarcity, uh, the way that I kind of explain it to my clients is that it's like jam hands. So if any of your listeners have small children, they may notice that small children are very sticky. They're like, why are you sticky? They don't know why they're sticky, but they just are. And I feel like that's kind of how scarcity is. It's like if you were just to put a handful of jam, you know, and then you were going to go touch things in your life. Now the jam gets everywhere and now everything is sticky and scarcity does the same thing. So when you're in scarcity, the thing you want to do is be like, I am having a jam hands moment. Let me not touch everything in my life. Sit with myself for a minute, get myself cleaned up and then go and carry on. 
because it's when we make feeling scarcity is really no big deal. It's just the thing that's going to happen. Making decisions from scarcity is a very um, is a very other thing where then we have to to do those things. And in the financial world, a lot of the decisions that we make are not they're they're quick decisions to make, but they do have lasting consequences. Like for example, I had a client who just bought one time bought a Jeep in scarcity. She was feeling super desperate. That's like her car broke. She needed to get to work. The whole thing, when you look at it, it doesn't make sense, but it was basically because she was in such scarcity that it doesn't make sense. You're like, you could have rented a car for a day and not taken. She got, she ended up with a terrible, terrible deal just before, before we were going to get we but she had like a $650 Jeep payment, which was not good for her like where she was in her budget that that wasn't a great choice you know and she's committed to that for six years because she made this one decision in scarcity and like I mean it's not easy to get out of that you can't really I mean once you buy a car they're they're generally underwater and so it's like knowing what that scarcity feels like in your body really helps you to be like you know what let's just let's just get a ride to work tomorrow and then keep searching for the best car rather than like freaking out feeling desperate and having scarcity run your decisions. Like I'm going to get fired if I don't buy this car. Cause I think that was like the, the connection for her was like, I need to get to work tomorrow. I took, you know, I had to take two days off last week because I didn't have a car and, you know, and it's just like that desperation sets in and then you're willing to, to accept things that don't exactly make sense. Isn't that the truth for all life? I'm thinking, you know, relationships, health, financial, it's just that desperation that that yeah. lack mentality um scarcity so i wanted to kind of look at that scarcity because some of us whether it's college debt or credit card debt or maybe not don't have any savings or haven't started saving for retirement or whatever it is there's there's parts of your financial 3d if you will reality that you might not want to look at because you know you are not living the life of financial freedom that you want to be in. So from like a mindset perspective, energetically, and maybe even practical tips, how can we start to look at these parts of our financial portfolio, if you will, that we, we don't want to look at? <laughs> so here's the, the first thing that generally I suggest people do like in a relationship with money is really like there's a level of financial intimacy that we want to, we want to, um, you know, build up. And so I know like for me personally, like if I'm anxious about my money, like the number one thing I want to do is not exactly look at it today, <laughs> like maybe tomorrow for sure, but probably not today. Right. And so that intimacy when we, with our, with our money, like it's learning our flow. Like it's learning how the cash flows in and out of our life. And so we have three primary resources in our lives. And I mean primary, like primary colors, like time, money, and energy. So you can turn time, money, and energy into a college degree, into a business, into a drug ring, like whatever floats your little boat, like whatever, whatever is important to you, you know, breaking bad or you know, business stuff, like whatever you want. Have you taken the anxious personality quiz yet? Real talk, not all anxiety is created equal, nor 
Can you manifest the same way with it? Yes, that's true. You can manifest with your anxiety. I created this quiz so you can figure out how your anxiety manifests in your life, your emotions, your thoughts, and your actions. And when we have more insight into what our triggers and how to catch them faster, we're able to make lasting change and amplify what we want to manifest in our life. You can find out your anxious personality type at anxiousquiz.com. Learn to embrace and manifest with your anxiety today. And so one of the things that I typically see is that scarcity is it runs through those resources very, very quickly. And so a lot of times um, the place to, to start is really looking at like where your cash flow goes. Because oftentimes the the unaligned spending or the where the money like leaks bleeds, you know what I mean? Like where the money bleeds is generally when we're using money to plug a time leak. And so that may look like, all right, I woke up late today. I didn't pack, I didn't pack myself a lunch. Now I'm at work. I'm literally hungry. Um, I'm gonna go buy lunch because I'm hungry. <laughs> right. And it was really like we had a time situation in the morning that wasn't addressed and now we're using money to plug that time leak. And so a lot of a lot of um the spending that's like the spending that we we don't feel great about when we read our statements like that kind of spending is generally when we plug a time leak or an energy leak. And so an energy leak might be like you had a super long day at work, you get home there's still breakfast dishes in your sink and you're like, I literally can't deal with feeding these people today. I'm going to order a pizza. And that while the pizza is on its way, maybe I'll wash my kids or my dishes or whatever. And then I'm going to sit here with a glass of wine or bubbly kombucha. And I hope nobody talks to me until it's gone type thing. And so then you know, you're like in the first example, you're not buying lunch because you were really desiring a deli sandwich. You bought lunch because you didn't make yourself the sandwich, which was really a time issue. And in the second situation, you weren't desiring like a pizza. You weren't like, wow, cheese covered carbs is what I want today. It's like, I just don't want to have to cook. And so, and then like the third thing where we really spend money is I'm like, I call them low joy purchases. And they're It's generally when we're using money to buy an emotional state, but the thing that we buy actually doesn't give us the state for more than a few minutes. And so I'll give you like a quick example. So I had a client who um, who I was working with and she was spending so much money on makeup, on lipstick that we were talking about it, right? So um, the thing is, is she had an abundance of lipstick. And I was like, okay, well, what are, what are we doing here? And the thing is, is she, she, want, she felt that if she had the perfect shade of red lipstick, that she would be confident. And I'm like, so the funny thing is about lipstick is it just changes the color of your lips. Like the confidence isn't going to come, like they're, they're unrelated. Like lipstick actually doesn't provide confidence if it did. Uh, I would, I would have worked some things out for myself years ago, you know? And so like, so when we look at that, we can see that in the moment, you know, when she's making the purchase, she's like, I don't really feel confident. Let me go see what I can get to boost that. And the thing is, is the thing that she was buying actually doesn't provide that. And so we can see a lot of, like a lot of purchases get made. It's like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't feel pretty today. I'm going to go buy myself a new dress okay, cool. And a new dress is also nice, but if you have a plenty of dresses, 
you know, not you know, wanting to feel pretty is, isn't like a dress could provide that, but it, it depends on kind of where you're coming from. So those are things that I think are really important because when you, because one of the, the biggest mistakes that we make with our money is when we look at those primary resources, a lot of times the financial plans that are promoted and like in the conventional wisdom actually have tremendous time and energy cost. And if you're already stretched thin, that's not going to work. So we have to really look like one of the things that I teach um, my clients and like I have a course called Find Your Bleed. And one of those things we, we look at is like, one, we want to first like kind of go through and eliminate anything that's just wasted, wasted spending. So like if you're, um, maybe I'm actually personally guilty of this, right? This very instant. I, I am currently paying $31 a month for a gym membership that I actually haven't gone to in a, in a while because I have a trainer at a different gym, right? And so it's like, all right, I just have to, I just have to literally do the thing. And it's a one-time thing, you know? And so you kind of want to start there and see, all right, well, well, you know what? I haven't watched Disney plus in six months. So maybe it's time to let that go. Um, and, and also you can just know that you can always have it back. Like Disney, they're not going to begrudge you. You can turn it off and turn it back on. Same thing with the gym membership. Like I can turn it off. And then if I want to go back, I can always go back. Um, then we want to look. And so that is a, that's a, the thing about those things is they're one-time things. So that's generally where we start because it's not, it doesn't require habit change. It doesn't require ongoing effort. You can do the thing one time. It goes on your task list. You do it one time and then your money changes. You can start to reallocate that money toward things that you actually want. Right. And so then we want to look at like household efficiencies, like, um, like most of most of my clients are generally in charge of what I call household procurement. And so like they're the ones buying the groceries, the household supplies, the Amazon, pretty much the kids' clothes, all of the procurement. And this isn't true in all in all families or in all cases, but generally the lady of the house is is, you know, the procurement department. And so a lot of times what I see happening is clients will try to go to like three different grocery stores to buy the cheapest granola. And like, okay, but now we have one, it's not going to be any less expensive, I promise you. If you're somebody who goes to three different stores to buy the cheapest things, I promise you it's not cheaper. I've seen thousands of sets of transactions, and I can tell you definitively you're spending more money than you need to. But in that effort to like, when we're looking at it so dialed in, we're like, all right, well, the 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 meat at the meat market is cheaper than it is at Stop and Shop. And Aldi's has the cheapest snacks. So like, we'll, we'll just do it this way. But what ends up happening is now grocery shopping it costs five hours instead of one hour. And that cost has an energy component. So now instead of coming home and getting your food prepped or whatever for the week, you get home and you're like, all right, I'm going to pour myself a glass of iced tea. We're going to sit in the sunshine because I've been at this for several hours. And so then there's a time cost and energy cost and it's more expensive. And so a lot of times when we're trying to save money, those are the things that that will do. Right. And so we want to be looking at increasing efficiency because looking at your money does take energy and it does take, a, you know, it doesn't have to take a lot of time, but it does take a, a time at first. So we want to be looking for ways to save time, money and energy all at once. And then making those lifestyle changes based on like the lowest hanging fruit first, you know, and most of the most stuff is like clip coupons, tremendous time and energy cost. Plus, you're exposing yourself to so much advertising that then all of a sudden you're like, Kellogg's has new granola. I should probably taste it, even though you had no natural desire for Kellogg's new granola. 
Do you know what I mean? And um, so those those things really, really make a difference. And then we don't stick, you know, and so when we're working on our budgets or whatever, and we have spreadsheets and it requires so much extra work, if we don't actually have the time and the energy to put that work in, the plans fail. And so I like to teach ladies ways to actually make their life more efficient in time, money, and energy, and sometimes even use money, let's say to like buy a higher level of service. Um, so like, for example, so I have a, I have a client who I was just working with the other day. She's a single mom, super busy. And if she is spending unintentional money, it's literally on most of the time it's on takeout because she's just stretched. So I was like, all right, well, how much are we spending on takeout over the course of a month? And I'm like, what we could do is look at a higher level of service for that same money. So we could bring in a housekeeper to tidy up the house. If that feels like, if you'd rather cook, you know, or we could get somebody in to do your food prep or to, we could switch your grocery shop into a delivery service. So that way you could, you know, shop from your phone, you know, get the groceries delivered. And so we always want to be looking at the money that we're spending and really getting the highest level of service that we can, like we can afford, which is always funny because people will spend the money on takeout food because it seems like a little at a time where bringing somebody in to do food prep may seem a little bit more expensive, but generally it's not. And sometimes that higher level of service, it just calms you down some, you know, like, and so those are some of the things that I think are really important to understand about getting your money stuff kind of like under control. Beautiful. And very practical and like I love how it's more habit-based like you said and like not having to be on that spreadsheet and just that lack mindset these are things that you can adjust to your everyday life and not the the shit I the word coming up for me is shame and guilt because scarcity for me in the past sometimes was like well I should be here I shouldn't be spending money there but this is this is the reality of where I am and taking a look at, okay, well, where are those things that I can let go of? And I love what you said about higher higher level services. That's beautiful. Um, but once we start to do that and we 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 start thinking about what does financial freedom look like for us? Can you kind of lead us through maybe how you help? services you offer for for women to step into that or like what does that mean because I know it means different things for so many people but can we just jump into what financial freedom is really so generally if I was going to define it it's typically when your money works hard enough for you that it sets your time free of work so most of us get our most of us work for our money and that's you know unless you were like a inherited a ton of money or had a trust fund, most of us have to start there. And so, but in time you can build up your investments. And when your investments fully cover your lifestyle, that's generally like the financial freedom. The thing about freedom is that that's going to be different for every single person. So I have some clients who like, for example, like I had one client who wanted to hike the Appalachian trail. And so he's like a, I don't know, like an almost 40 year old man. We, we stripped him down financially to like a $300 a month requirement. Um, 
for, you know, that wasn't going to be permanent. He was going to hike the trail. I think the trail takes like six months and then he was going to go back to regular life. But we, every, and that for him was freedom. So we stripped him down to almost nothing. So that way he could do that for six months. I have other clients who want to buy a second house. So that way all of their kids and all of their grandkids can come over to their houses and there's always a place and there's always a bedroom and there's always something to do. And for them, that's, that's the freedom. So it's total opposite sides of the spectrum. And that's cool because that's what makes the world go around. You know what I mean? So for some of my clients, it's starting like uh, non-location-based businesses. Like, um, you know, a lot of my clients can can work from anywhere because they're, you know, starting businesses that are mainly done via Zoom or online or, or whatever else. So it just kind of really depends about um, what, like, like it's, I think also the thing about financial freedom before you get to that point of, oh, I have so much money that my money just literally cares for my lifestyle. I think it's the difference between money being the limitation to your life and money being a tool for building your life. Like, I feel like financial freedom kind of just, it's not like, it's not like all of a sudden one day you're just financially free. It's like, so like, if let's just say, you want to go to the movies today. If you're consulting with your money to be like, hey, wallet, can I go to the movies today? And your money makes the decision that's, you know, versus I want to go to the movies today. I'm going to make that happen. I'm not talking about irresponsible spending. I'm not saying like go to the movies if you haven't paid your rent, but it's, you know, I think one of the things about money where that freedom is built is a lot of people have money has a lot of authority over people's decisions, over people's lifestyle. And I think layer by layer, choice by choice, it's taking that authority back and making the money do the thing that it needs to do. And then that's really the path to financial freedom. So like, but if I had to define it, it would be that point. But the thing about it is that point is for most people is pretty freaking far off. Like it's not, you know, like, even if you dedicate, like there's a whole, it's called the fire movement. It's like uh, financially independent, retire early. And they really like strip their lives down to their bare minimum expenses. And they invest to be able to get to that point, which is, a, which is a, that is not what I advocate for because I don't, the, because I, my work is just different, but that's also a cool plan. Like it's, it's a cool way to, it's like a, a cool way to do it. Um, But also it kind of gives the money authority over you for like gives money authority over all your decisions for a set amount of time. So that way you can, you can get there. Um, and I like things a little bit, let's say a little slower, a little bit more balanced. I kind of like when my clients enjoy their work and making money is part of the fun. Like I love my business. I love my clients. I love what I do. And I'll probably do it even after the point of financial freedom, because there's a lot of fulfillment in there for me. And I, for me, I think that's more of the way to go where like when you're, and listen, your purpose doesn't, your purpose, your passion in life doesn't necessarily need to be your job. They, they can be separate, but I kind of feel like if you're really passionate about something, you should totally be getting paid for it because the passion is the thing that's attractive. Like, like the passion is the thing that we will, like that's the thing. Like that's the thing that people are like, 
wait, you quit your job to make friendship bracelets all day. And you're like, yeah, I'm the queen of the friendship bracelets. And we're just doing friendship bracelets all day, all night. I know all the knots. I could teach you all the knots. Do you want to know more about knots? And you're like, I have never given one little fuck about friendship bracelets. But now, weirdly enough, I do want you to teach me the knots. Here's my money. And you're like, thanks. Which is, I've never had a client start a friendship bracelet making business. I just am using that. It's a very weird example. But I'm just saying, like, in today's day and age, like, there's just people getting rich selling rubber dog shit. So if you want to do tarot card readings professionally, like, you can do it. It just, you know, or anything. Because people usually, like, usually, like, it's always, like, the spiritual people that are like, I can't just do Reiki. And I'm like, no, you totally can. <laughs> you totally can. People buy Reiki all the time. You don't, you're, you know, you're not just doing Reiki for free for the whole time. I mean, you can, it's an available option, but um, yeah, I think I said that. Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah, I, if you, for me, starting a business, starting a podcast is one of the biggest spiritual and personal development things you could do because you do come up against a lot when you're like, well, I can't, charge for this who am I to charge that much you know these thoughts that you didn't know were there are there especially in spiritual community and I know so many of the listeners here are passionate about spirituality holistic health helping other people and so you naturally like you said if you're passionate friendship bracelets you're gonna your heart's open energetically you want to help and share that passion of course you do and because of that it's your birthright to be abundant and, and share that passion. And it's just an exchange of energy. That's all it is. At the end of the day, it's all just energy. The money, financial freedom, all just energy. It's all just energy, but also it's very much bound up in mental constructs. Yes. So um, the thing about the other, like another cool thing just to notice is like, we can have belief structures that are just too small. So the other day I was talking to a, a client who uh, currently is doing $7,000 a month, which is like upper middle class. Like that's an okay amount of money. And she just got a big raise. So her income is going to go to $11,000 a month. And this is take home income. And so that's plenty of money. The thing is, is she grew up in such poverty that she makes that money it's like the binds are still there. And so when we hear that, we're like, well, that seems like a lot of money. She should be just thriving. The thing is, is it doesn't feel like that if your constructs don't change. So she's, she's doing things that she did in poverty now. And so it's kind of like putting on pants that are like a size 2T. It's, you know, it, it, it pinches you. It's too small. It doesn't work. You can't get anywhere. And so the thing is, is, with our financial mindsets it's and the more you grow the more you have you constantly need to be reevaluating those belief structures because I kind of see belief structures like an invisible maze and so like our thoughts are like the little marble that rolls through the maze and so you'll see that like if you have a wall up you your thoughts don't exactly go beyond that actually so this week I was just in Texas and part of I was there for for business and I had dinner with like a real life billionaire and I am not a billionaire. And so what was so fascinating to me as listening to him talk, I could see where my belief structures were 
we're just not anywhere near as big as this person's belief structures. Cause he was like, Oh yeah, we just buy companies and you know, whatever. And I was like, you just buy companies. Like what? <laughs> like, and I've known that companies are for sale the whole time, but the idea that I would ever just buy companies was totally not available to me because I had a belief structure that was just not, not big enough for that particular thought. And so what was cool is like his marble kind of came in on the other side of that and like, right up against my belief structure. And now I see that belief structure that I had never seen before. Right. And so it's cool. But the thing about belief structures is we need to constantly reevaluate them and grow them and stretch them and, and take down belief structures. Like, so for example, like, um, early in a, in a year, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're starting a business, like the idea that I will always figure it out is a really good idea to have it. And it instills a sense of confidence and instills like, this ability to be like, all right, cool. I can tolerate the uncertainty of this because I know that I can trust myself. Cool. You start getting up, you know, mid six figures, you're building a team, that belief structure becomes too small. Now it puts a lot of pressure on you and it disempowers your team. Cool. All right. So then we know that that belief then becomes too small and we have to move it again. We have to be like, I know that we will always figure this out. And so then the belief becomes about me and team. It's not about my ability to do the thing. It's my ability to lead it. It's a, it's a, it changes. And so with money, I actually find that I think money is like super spiritual because as you grow and you do the things and you give the gifts and you share what you have to share and give what you have to give, like you have to perpetually be looking at your mind, but then you also need to really be looking at your emotions because your body has to tolerate all of this new sensation. And so you have to really become way bigger of a person. Like you have to really stretch that energy field. You have to really stretch, you know, most of us, let's say like, you know, if emotions were like a temperature, most of us like to live between like 60 and 80 degrees, you know, but there's, there's a lot of temperature between zero and 60 and between 80 and I don't know how hot the sun is, but I mean, it's probably way hot. It's probably really hot. Um, I mean, I'm not exact. I'm not a scientist. So, but there's so much range there. And most of us just are like, all right, we like to be between, I mean, 60 and 80 is comfortable. And so as we stretch and we go beyond that, there's a lot of it really is very much spiritual. And it's funny because like when you are taking your series seven to be a stockbroker, like None of that really seems true, but then you get into it and you're like, oh, huh. no, it's funny. I'm going to, I have to, I have to really tap into my intuition here. I need to really find my inner being. I really need to go, you know, connect with the universe to be able to put this project together. And you'd be surprised that like in the entrepreneurial community, how much, you know, there's usually language around it that makes it a little bit more like 3D acceptable for the people who don't really get it. But um you know, you hear about people taking an ice bath in their garage, that is nervous system regulation. You know, it's like things that you're like, why? Who, Wim Hof is doing what? Who is this guy? He's breathing in icy cold water and he has a following. This is so weird. He's just teaching people to breathe. And you're like, he's teaching people nervous system regulation. So that way they can move beyond their comfort zones and give their gifts to the world. He's just per particularly uh real ballsy and maybe a little reckless with his body swimming underneath 18 feet of ice but 
um, teach their own. And then you watch the video. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. He's oh, I totally like, do. I oh, totally do. Like, and I, I practice with Huff breathing. I am super into breath work. And that has helped me regulate my nervous system enough to regulate. We, I say my thermostat, which is exactly what you just explained. And my partner actually, he started doing the ice baths this past month. And he, he goes to like this gym who has it and you can set it like he does it at like 44 degrees. And he started out not being able to do 30 seconds. Now, like literally a month later, he does nine and a half minutes, which I, I haven't tried it yet. I've, I've done cold showers and that's a challenge for me. And he's done them for years and he's like, I need to level up. And the cold bath thing, it's real. It's That's real it. to be able I to regulate know. and heal your body. It's amazing. I've not done it in all fairness. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really super tough. I'm really not. So that the, I remember one of my business coaches was talking about it and we were at like a retreat in his hometown. And he's like, if anybody wants to come like real early and get in my ice bath, like you're welcome to. And I was like, that is literally the worst <laughs> offer ever. Like, no, no one, 65 <laughs> levels, no one getting up early, no one going to your ice yep. bath, no one getting into your ice bath, no one drying off from the ice bath. No, no, thank you. Hard no from this lady. But other people went and they were very excited about it and good yeah. for them. Yeah, but it's a, it's a, I feel like money does that because yeah. money has got so many sensations with it and you bump up against all of your social and cultural conditioning. To, to be able to grow and expand financially, like all of your conditioning comes up because money is so interwoven to all of our decisions. Mm. 10,000%. Um, I just looked at the time. And one last thing I wanted to ask you, well, two last things, but this is if people are interested and are like, yes, I need some more Brie in my life and like starting to look at my bleed or what does financial freedom look like for me? What What are some like the next steps if they want to just start to, to look into their own financial world? Perfect. So with the place that I suggest everybody starts is I have a, it's a $39 course. It's called Find Your Bleed and it basically teaches you financial intimacy. And so it's a very like immediate return on your investment type, like type, uh, type course because you're going to go through your transactions Literally, we I get messages every day of people saving like $10,000 a year. And these are people that are regular, like the, the person, like teachers and, and people that are, it's not, nothing super crazy is happening, you know? And so that's generally the first place um, to start with. And so find your, yeah, it's, um, I'm sure you'll, you, uh, you will provide a link for everybody. And that's kind of where we go through that time, money, energy leak. And I give frameworks around like cutting out the waste, increasing household efficiency, and really like sewing up those low joy purchases, like figuring out like what's really going on in your feelings. So that way you can get an appropriate solution rather than just using money to like plug a hole. And then that gives us money to redirect toward the things that we actually want. You know what I mean? Cause like the thing about financial plans is most of them include putting your money toward what you want, but most of them don't include what you're going to stop doing. Right. Like I've written a zillion budgets where I'm like, I'm going to put money in investments, but like not figure out like, all right, well, I'm going to stop buying pizza to be able to do that necessarily. Or I'm going to change this to have the money for that. So find your bleed is definitely um, 
it's just, it's just a course where you're, it's like kind of like a no brainer. Like you're going to yeah. get your money back so much bigger, so much faster. And then, um, like when you go to the, to the page there, there's, there's other offers. So like when you buy it and all of them are really beautiful, um, to kind of start a financial journey. So there's four steps in it. So if you wanted to, you could just buy Find Your Bleed and that's like the first step. Um, but if you go all the way through like the, the sales page, there's, there's other steps there that kind of go in order. Um, and then if somebody just wants to film me, just wants to watch some more of my stuff, like you can find me sheep to shark, you know, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can go to all those places and just find my, find, find my little face on the interwebs and follow my work. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Brie, for coming on. We'll have all those notes, the links in the show notes. We close asking the same question every single episode. How may we, the listeners, as a big act of gratitude, be of service for you in return today after all your lovely energy and wisdom and time with us today? Honestly, I recently decided that I didn't want to do Facebook ads anymore. We were running a lot of Facebook ads. So if you enjoy my work and you follow it, if you, you know, engage with any of my stuff, that would be great. Or if, um, if you also have like a friend that needs to be introduced to like psychologically and energetically congruent money work, please just feel free. I mean, I guess really like if it, if it fits, just share, just share my stuff far and wide because, um, that's probably the best, most valuable thing that you can do. And it's free and awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And if you guys, like I said, if you, anybody come to mind, listening to this episode or any other episode, forward this episode, forward breathe work, because one of the main reasons I started this podcast is because I had so many intuition hits through books, through podcasts, through YouTube videos that I actually followed up with. And it was like the start of my own journey, my healing journey. And that's the one of the reasons why I created this space to have people on like Brie to share this message, to help people heal and grow and really step into their fullest, most authentic lives. So if you guys think of a friend, you never know what sharing this could do to somebody and change their life. But thank you so much, Brie, for coming on today. I know I learned a lot listening to you and I love talking about money and it allows me to step further into my own abundance mindset and know how to re-regulate my nervous system when that scarcity comes up. And it's okay that it comes up because it always will be there. So thank you so much. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And remember, open up, surrender, trust, and let your body 